With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello guys, what is going on? Daniel Charles back here again for another show. Hope you're doing well and keeping safe. Still here in Adelaide, England. One last night at the Hindmarsh Stadium. I was there, 6-1 victory, stunning football. Lauren James, outstanding masterclass. It felt like a privilege to be able to sit there and watch her performance live in action. And there is a little bit of frustration actually from... Um, the reporting side of, of the women's game, the fact that Lauren James, whenever people in general speak about Lauren James, they reference her brother. And um, I, I think it was quite funny seeing a sign before the game that sort of said Lauren James is better than Reese James. And uh, yeah, her performance last night very much, you know, marking sort of her path as one of the world's best players. And it, it was really good to see. And it was just, you know, again, um, sorry to go on a bit of a tangent because we will get to Chelsea stuff, but uh, just quite a surreal experience uh, because, you know, after the game I was in the mix zone. And if you don't know what the mix zone is, it's um, effectively after the game where media go, you, you get broadcast media. So you'll see some of the interviews from their players walk through and you're kind of free to ask them whether they stop or not is, is sometimes hard to, to gauge, um, especially after a bad result. But England, a lot of England players walked through and were very happy to stop and chat, obviously, after last night's game. So I got to speak to, to Millie Bright, England captain, and of course, Chelsea star. Um, again, quite just very surreal and, and she was really good to speak to and gave some very good answers. And not my Chelsea bias at all. The other two players I spoke to whilst I was there was um, Beth England and Jess Carter. So um, yeah, maybe just showing my Chelsea bias there. But it's it's been an incredible experience out here so far. And hopefully England with that win keep moving forward because it'd be an incredible summer if England can do what they did last year. But let's talk about Chelsea. Um, unfortunately, I will be on a plane probably um timings wise when the Dortmund game is going on at release to start it I think because um, I'm heading back to Brisbane where England are going to be playing Nigeria on Monday evening so I will have to watch the game after them um so I'll be I'll be up in the, in the sky whilst that's going on and hopefully Chelsea are playing well but we've got quite as we did yesterday quite a bit to, to get through um and I think the the first place to start is a really really positive one um it's it's not like breaking news or, or kind of something that we never saw coming. But I think for just peace of mind and, and arguably Chelsea's best, biggest signing this summer they could have made. And that, of course, is Levi Cowell agreeing a new six-year Chelsea contract. This was again broken by David Ornstein, who's having an incredible summer. He really is. I know he's he is known as one of the best reporters out there in terms of information but it seems like this summer he has broken kind of every big story and will keep Chelsea will keep Levi Cobalt at Chelsea uh, until at least 2029 it's as I say it's not like the biggest breaking story ever um, I think it's just quite funny 
and we, we've mentioned this before on the show that there seemed to be this kind of expectation from Brighton that Levi would just kind of walk back there with no resistance and it would just kind of happen. And um, there were the variety of things that have meant that it's been more on Chelsea's side of things um, in terms of injuries to other centre-backs, in terms of selling Koulibaly earlier in the summer. But then also I think it was last summer, I think was, if we track it back, I think last summer Chelsea's very, very clear stance, and even if it was the Kukure attacks, which is hurting them now, to not sell him permanently was one of the best decisions they made in a very, very difficult first year. And you've seen the benefit of that now. And um, it just made me laugh again. Roberto De Zerbi just doesn't seem to understand what the loan system is because he was talking about Levi like we've lost Levi Cowell. Like you only had him on loan for a season and that was that was the deal. And um, Chelsea were never going to sell him. That, that's been the briefing pretty much since like January. And um, you can give this board a lot of criticism, right? Everyone does every single day at the moment. You can give their lack of strategy or whatever the strategy is, what they're doing, who they're selling, who they're buying. But I do think that in the case of Levi Colwell, they have they've managed the situation perfectly because if they hadn't have been as strong as they were last summer, Levi Colwell would have left. And I think the current head coach at that time would have been very happy uh, or just been, you know, OK with him moving on, which would have been terrible for Chelsea. So happy, happy days. And of course, we know that Axel Dezassi is coming in. Whether that means that Trev is, is now on his way out, um, I, I still just find the the kind of the acceptance that, well, what you're going to do about Trevor Chalaber leaving and being kind of outcast as kind of like it's just like, you know, it's just nature. You know, it's just there's nothing we can do about it. It's um, it, it, it just kind of has to happen. I just think it's a little bit of nonsense, to be honest. I think that we judge players, we should be judging players on their output, we should be judging players on their out, um, on their value to the squad. And I think Trevor Chalabar has proven to be one of Chelsea's most consistent performers. And, um, you know, I, I, I credit Trev if he does move on and, and thinks about his career first and goes to somewhere like Inter Milan, for instance, who were linked earlier in the window. Um, I just find it funny, and, and no one can argue with me on this, I just don't think you can, based on Chelsea's current business. If... Um, if Trevor Chalabar, and I said the same about Levi Colwell, I've said the same about Tammy Abraham in recent years, you could say the same about Lewis Hall, um, Ian Matson. the list goes on. If Trevor Chalabar was at RB Leipzig, if he was at Ajax, if he was at Monaco, our current recruitment team would be trying to buy him. And um, I, I think that just tells you everything you need to know about the quality of the player and, and, and why I think it's just a shame the way he's been treated. But he may still stay. We don't know. We know that now Leslie uh, Ugo Chukwu has now signed for Chelsea on a very long contract, another one till June 2030, plus an option for a further season. And this is the big one in terms of what's going to happen with him. Is he going to stay? Is he going to go? And I think the next thing to move on to is Moises Casado because it still feels like there is something going on here because, um, and it does link back to uh, Robert Sanchez because there have been talks at Chelsea have gone in to try and sign the Brighton goalkeeper who is basically become an outcast under De Zerbi. Um, and and he wasn't even taken on the US tour. So there seems like there could be a deal done there, but there is reports that Casado is still part of those talks. And that in itself is interesting. And um, Charlie uh, Hafferden uh, tweeted and, and reported uh, for the Sussex Express uh, that Moises Casado had admitted to guests at Brighton's 22-23 awards evening that he wants to leave the club. 
Um, the 21-year-old apparently, though, refused to talk about Chelsea when asked. Again, no, I, I think in terms of this report, it, is it that much of a shock that the Crusader wants to leave uh, Brighton? I'm not sure. We knew he wanted to leave Brighton in January. He said that very publicly. This in itself is not exactly breaking news. But then we've heard reports of alternatives that Chelsea are potentially looking at. Tyler Adams uh, from Leeds, uh, some of the other names, Edson Alvarez. Of course, if you remember, Edson Alvarez was linked very late on last summer from Ajax. Um, and that they were talked that maybe that would be reignited in January. It never was. And um, people want that infused about that. Romeo Lavia, um, it seemed like he was all set to go to Liverpool. That may not be the case now. But I think Simon Phillips made a good point, that, and I agree with him. Hear that? That's the sound of the 2023 Chevy Silverado's 2.7-liter high-output turbo engine, delivering 430 pounds per foot of torque with no compromise durability. Impressive power, whether you're helping friends move or just moving some friends. Thanks! This is the sound of a family with plenty of rear seat room to enjoy the ride. And most importantly, this is the sound of you heading to your local Chevy dealer today for a test drive. Find your Silverado and find new roads. Chevrolet. Keenan Wynn from Diversified Fall Protection explains why investments in safety are about more than ROI. I've seen over the course of my career numerous situations where employees take unnecessary risk. Employers sometimes create that expectation that we want employees to be problem solvers. And I think we have to be careful because an employee out on a job site might cut a corner at the expense of their own safety. And so as employers, we have to make it crystal clear that safety is number one because we care about that individual. And while we want them to solve problems, there's certain things that they can't solve and they need help. We have to ensure that we lead out, that we demonstrate that that individual's life is important to us and that we are willing to invest in them and that there's never an excuse to cut corners on safety. Learn more or connect with a local fall protection specialist at fallprotect.com pod. Hardy's two for $5 breakfast bake goodness into your morning. Choose a biscuit with sausage and egg, biscuit and gravy, or French toast dips. Any two, just $5. Hardy's goodness in the making. These items only. Price and participation may vary. Tax not included. I think in terms of when you look at all the alternatives, it's not like there are woeful alternatives. But if it takes close to 100 million or over 100 million, Casado looks just like the right fit. It looks like the player Chelsea should be trying to buy. And if you remember about Enzo Fernandez, I mean, that deal looked dead halfway through the January transfer window. And then it reignited and Chelsea got it over the line. And I do wonder, I, I always think that when you've got a player who's very open to leaving, personal terms are not her issue. And, and Chelsea may be looking going, and Pochettino continues to stress this, I need experienced players. I need better players in, in key positions. Will you just go and pay the 20 million, um, the extra 20 million? I know that sounds very easy for me to say, but I, I think that, you know, I, I just look at the long-term benefit and I think that Enzo Fernandez. we're not really talking about Enzo's fee anymore, are we? And this is not a player who, you know, has been the greatest midfielder in the world, but if you, if you, even in difficult times with Chelsea, watching Enzo live, it was very clear very early on that Enzo is a very, very good midfielder. And we're probably going to be looking at a player who's going to be sort of hopefully the better rock of our midfield for years to come. And you, you feel like Casado is the, is the same. I think fees, and I said this earlier in the summer, fees are kind of just ridiculous now. And 
I think the big question is, rather than judging it based on fees all the time, is the player good enough for Chelsea? Is the player the right fit? Is he what we need? Does he fit in with what the coach wants to do? And I think for all of those, I think it's a yes for Moises Casado. So then it becomes, will Chelsea blink? You know, will Brighton blink? Will there be a compromise? Um, and I, I do wonder if there is still legs to go. Because uh, it's such an unknown what happens if the deal doesn't happen. You know, because I, I'd, I'd rather Chelsea overpay for Moise Casado than go in for someone who is kind of just a rush to get a midfielder in that we've seen in the past two years with Sal Niguez and Dennis Zakaria. I'd rather us fully commit to one that we want um, rather than kind of this panic late on and we end up getting a, a plan B, C, just, you know, sticking plaster for another season because that, that's been ridiculous over the last two years, in, in my opinion. Um, and on Robert Sanchez, I mean, I, I think the... the the goalkeeper position is obviously one that needs to be addressed. I, I, I don't think it's. I just don't think it's smart going into another season with Kepa as your first choice. I just don't. Um, it's not that Robert Sanchez is a massive, massive upgrade like Andre Onana would have been, but this is a guy who played very well. And I think you know, technically on the ball, I think he's probably better than Kepa because I think Kepa is a little bit overrated with the ball at his feet. To be honest, um, I even I still think that Edward Mendy. Um, rivaled him at his best, you know, to be honest, and um, clearly a guy who wants to move. And if you just take the Casado thing out of it, I think it's a deal that looks like it could happen. And I think maybe there's a little bit of revisionism going on about Sanchez in terms of how it went wrong for him at Brighton under the Zerbi. It was more like people who know that situation, it was a falling out rather than Sanchez like nosedived in terms of form and then just lost it. So maybe there is the case there where we sign a goalkeeper. Um, and it's not going to cost millions and millions and millions, and it turns out to be good competition, eventually a decent first choice option, because then you've also got the future option of Gab Slanina, who we expect to go on loan this season. The final thing to speak about is not a good one. Uh, Dusan Vlajevic and this Lukaku swap deal, because of course the, the resolution for Lukaku attempts to go on, and it appears the noise at the moment is Juve are pushing for Chelsea to accept this kind of swap deal. As much as people want Lukaku gone, you know, how much are you willing to sacrifice to, to get what you want? And I think that that's the, the big thing for people to address here because Dusan Vlajevic makes no sense. He just absolutely makes no sense. Um, and, and it's purely because we've seen what Nicholas Jackson has done so far in a Chelsea shirt. The fact that Armando Breuer is likely to return in the opening few months of the season. I just don't see the benefit here. I, I just don't. I think you've got a player who... Is going to command a lot of wages. Um, is going to command a first team place. Has injury problems around him too. Has has really struggled, and I think would come in and and would feel kind of uh, you know he he'd feel like another burden on Chelsea's shoulders. I don't think it's a good strategy to buy players. It seems like Chelsea keep on falling into this trap of becoming like a rehab centre for players. You know, Joao Felix was the one last season. You could argue maybe Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was another one. I, I just don't... I said Denis Zakaria, Saunagez. You know, I, I just don't... I don't know how that benefits us. Nicholas Jackson is a young, fresh, hungry player. He is someone with years to grow, years to develop, and one that looks capable of leading the line and being a quite an exciting addition for us. Put your energy into him. Financially, yes, Juve... 
like a lot of Italian clubs, need money right now. Obviously, Juve with the trouble they have. Um, I just, from a negotiating, from a, a pro and con position, I just, Lukaku leaving to get Flyovic is not a win for me. I think it's just like a minus. I think he's even a negative. Um, and I think that that's, that in itself is just is a, is a problem for me. I just I just don't understand it. And um, I don't think it um, resolves one of our big problems. And I think that it just doesn't, it probably won't help the likes of Jackson, who I think could have a very, very beneficial season and could turn out to be one of the signings of this summer, just generally, not just for Chelsea, but generally because he looks like a very, very talented player. And, and, and I think that one that... Uh, Pochettino can work with, develop and, and grow. So I'm excited to see the Dortmund game. Obviously, it's the final game of preseason. I did kind of hope that there'd be another one, maybe domestically, for Chelsea. Uh, but I, I did say this the other day. I, I do think it's been a positive preseason, whatever the the outcome of the Dortmund game, if, if everyone is staying fit and everything. I think Chelsea have looked very, very good, cohesive, full of energy, able to score goals. And you've got new players, ones that... You'd, you'd want to thrive, like in Kunku, really starting to, to show their quality in front of goal and looking comfortable in a new club. So I'm I'm intrigued to see what the starting eleven is because he Pochettino kind of hasn't really settled on one yet. He has been switching a lot of things at half-time. You kind of do think that usually at the end of pre-season, you have kind of a bulk or at least a certain group of players who will play 90 minutes. But like the likes of Bashir Humphreys is clearly one of the fittest players in the current group because he's played a lot of minutes. He's probably highest in terms of minutes played in this preseason. But I don't think many of us expect when it rolls around to that Liverpool game, he will be in the starting eleven. Um, and that's nothing, you know, against him. But, you know, you've got Thiago Silva, you've got Levi Colwell, who I think that to me just, I feel like that will be the back two because it just, it feels like the most natural one. Um Hopefully Mudrick can have another good game. I know he's. everyone keeps saying he's doing amazing things in training. And we saw a glimpse of it against Brighton, if we can have another performance like that. Because he is one that I, I really think under Pochettino could explode. Um, and with Raheem Sterling not really showing up in pre-season, it's kind of hard to justify him having a starting place under Pochettino at the moment. So, so Mudrick, I hope, will continue to show that quality and that raw pace that can really make a difference so those are my thoughts let me know yours in the comments below and i'll see you again very soon all the best sports social podcast network